Hello. Arthur here. I did record this episode from the deserts of Shing, so if my audio quality sounds a little sandy, then you know why. <laughs> uh, but I'm Shing. All right, we have fun. Enjoy the episode. Radical. It's another episode of Full Metal Analysts. Welcome to our show where three writers analyze each and every episode of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I'm Michelle. I'm Arthur. And I'm Mike. And with us today, we have a returning guest, the champion in terms of uh, Full Metal Analyst appearances, but the competition isn't over yet. She may still have many more appearances. Please welcome the one and the only Camilla Franklin. Hi, it's me. And just like an anime villain, I'm back again. And funny <laughs> enough, you're back in the second arc. So Camilla, welcome to the second arc. We're yeah. all different. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's hair is just slightly different. and All our costumes have changed. Our, our character <laughs> models are a little different. It's all a setup about laundry. It's through laundry that we can determine a character's place in the story. Yeah. Maybe one of us has an eye patch. Maybe some of us have been unarmed. Hmm. A lot That's of arms. A lot of arms in this episode. I guess it's time for us to do our improvised 21 second recap. But that person will be chosen by the roll of a dice. So if he lands on one, it's me. If he lands on two, it's Arthur. If he lands on three, it's Mike. If he lands on four, it's Camilla. Mm-hmm. Let's roll the dice. So we roll the four. <gasps> wow. This is <laughs> a big amazing. day for me. Oh, boy. <laughs> three, two, one. Lynn and Lanfon fight uh, Gluttony and Bradley. Winry finds the Elric fighting Scar just in time to learn he's the one who killed her parents. She picks up a gun to shoot him. We flash back to Scar's past during the Ishvalan genocide. His destructo arm turns out to be his older brother's arm, which he sacrificed to save his little brother's life. Hmm, sounds familiar. Winry can't bring herself to shoot Scar. Scar runs away. Al chases him. Ed tries to console Winry, saying her hands can give life. That's enough. Everyone cries. Winry cries. We all cry. You got it. Yeah. That's wow. Really <laughs> Beautiful. That was great. Wow. That was even that was really worked some thematics into there. That was yeah. That was it's kind like, of an sounds familiar. Like there's whoa. a lot of themes because if I had to distill this episode into into something, it's just there's real heavy on the themes. So many themes. Yeah. What was this episode called again? Backs in the distance. And it's not <laughs> called Brothers in Arms. I mean, come on. I mean, but, but backs in the distance. <laughs> you you even get rule of three for that. You get Winry's parents' backs in the distance. You get Hugh's back in the distance. You get Ed's back in the distance. Lots of backs in the distance. Yeah. yeah. Winry talking about how Hugh's walking away reminded her of her parents walking away. You know, they all walked away the same way, that is, with their backs to her. <laughs> Which is, how else would they walk away? <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, they you know could what? do they the, like... Sort of, they sort of did a jog backwards. Maybe they just, like, jumped really high. Man, the way Ed just cartwheeled away really reminded me of my mom. <laughs> she cartwheeled away back to the war. <laughs> I mean, I think the intent behind it is sort of that whenever someone leaves, she worries it's the last time she's ever going to see them, which is why Ed and Al sort of popping in and out as cavalierly as they do is extremely stressful for her. So we talked a little bit about the name of the episode, the themes. And you know what? This is really bubbling up inside me. I'm going to have to get it out here right now. I did not like this episode. Oh, I can't even believe that. Mm. It's not that, like, Winry naturally finds Scar. It's like Winry just happens to listen to some random people talking about it. Just as, coincidentally, Ed is like, I'm going to talk about the Rock Bells. Coincidentally, when Winry is right there. Coincidentally, when there's a gun right there for Winry to pick. And it just felt so <laughs> inorganic for me. Like, when 
Ed started talking about the rock bells and you just saw Winry approaching, I literally yelled, fuck you. Because <laughs> it was the it was the most like you've shown me that you can have people discovering things in a natural and well done way. Why the fuck did you do it like this? <laughs> I can't totally argue with the fact that there is some serious coincidence there. Uh I would say I love this episode. I think that they actually do put some legwork into setting up how that happens. Legwork. Um, Yeah. (laughs) In arm work. work. There you go. (laughs) Even with the coincidence of it, I think the emotional payoff and thematic payoff is strong enough that it doesn't bother me. But like I see, for example... Uh, Winry overhearing people talking about the Elrics as continuity from the previous episode where Ed was like going around fixing stuff to make sure that he was being talked about constantly. And Winry going to find them as being an immediate sort of emotional reaction to being at Hugh's grave. I guess my point is not that it's illogical. It's just that it doesn't feel natural. Yes, it does bother me that specifically the trope of characters like being just out of eye shot, but just in earshot and overhearing something very important that oh no, it's the worst thing that this particular person could have heard at this particular time. But I think I am willing to forgive it here, even though I did mark it down as like, huh, that's a coincidence. I just think we as a society should retire that trope after they did it in Monsters, Inc. You're right. We're going to retire it and we're going to put its jersey up on the wall. You know what? (laughs) You've done your job. You can never use it again. All star for for generating, you know, drama and plot and countless (laughs) things. And now it's time to generate it from somewhere else. Hang, hang up, it up that jersey. But it felt true. That's why I'm willing to forgive it. It's because it felt thematically and emotionally and story true in a way that let me kind of overlook that a little. One thing I do love about it too is that in the previous episode, when they find out or get confirmation, Ed pretty much literally says, we're never going to tell Winry. I couldn't stand to be the one to make her cry again. And then immediately this episode, all that goes out the window. Michelle, I think you're focusing, I think you're right about everything you're saying, but you're focusing so hard. On the technique? Yeah, because, well, no, 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 not even that, because it's like, doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense that Winry would be there, that all these things would happen, but it does make sense because it's like, like we always say, you know, like, it's true to their character. Every moment, like, works. It, it really works to have them say these things to each other. It's just the way that they kind of, like, strung it together was a little like, okay, whatever. Like, it was a little forced. It was so a little here's forced. the thing. I agree with you. And there have been examples in the show where I also thought, I said, this was a little sweaty, but I'm okay with it because it works. The reason why I hated this episode is not because of the way they brought Winry there. It's because I didn't like the emotional payoff. I, this is a very long conversation that we were not going to solve in this episode. (laughs) It's going to be just like the conversation we're having about Roy and whether or not the show believes he's a hero or an anti-hero. Like, it's going to be just like that. And it's about violence. I think a lot of stories, particularly stories aimed at children and teenagers, they equate acts of violence as being the same. So we see this in the show by having the character of Scar have this moment where he sees the state alchemist that killed his brother and he thinks I am doing the same thing as that state alchemist and the show has done this before with several other acts of violence it has said that violence perpetuates violence which is not untrue what the show is doing right now is stripping the violence out of its context I don't think Scar taking his revenge is the same as the state alchemist that killed his brother because 
the state alchemist was doing so under orders, was aided by a system. It all becomes this thing where it feels like the show is trying to equate, you know, oh, their violence is kind of similar when you're basically being like, let's just ignore the contest that led these acts of violence to be perpetrated. I hope I made myself, I hope it makes sense what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, like a legitimate worry to have, especially considering who the sort of protagonists are and the institution they represent. Within the context of this episode, I, while I see those gripes, I feel like it does a great deal to humanize Scar and to legitimize and make you really understand the righteous anger behind what he's doing. I don't necessarily see this episode making a case for sort of he's just as bad. I think it actually presents him in some of the most compassionate light we've seen him in. The philosophy of this episode really seems to agree with a lot of what you just said, Michelle, which is that Scar is totally justified in his kind of murderous rampage of state alchemists. Even Ed is like, yeah, that that's true, I guess. But what about these innocent doctors you killed, huh? It's like Ed is kind of grasping at straws as to why Scar is so bad, um, even though his methods are brutal. You could make the argument where if you live in a society where Nazis essentially are, you know, still allowed to be in positions of power, then you maybe could or should take up arms yourself. Arms. Ha ha. Or take up arm. Oh, man, I, I, I don't know where the show is going to come down on a lot of these questions, but I didn't come to the conclusion that they were like no different. You know what I mean? Like I just came to the conclusion that violence itself and the suffering it brings is no different, no matter who brings it. But that's the point I'm making, Mike, that it is different. But it isn't. It is, though. Uh, but it isn't, because no matter the context behind what you do, what you've done Mike, is done. I think... Violence can be justified, but it can never be good. Yeah, it's always going to be, it's always going to deliver suffering. It's always going to hurt people you don't want it to. It's always going to get out of hand, but it's never, it, it can be, there can be reasons why you choose to do it, but there's always those unintended consequences. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but what about killing Hitler? Well, I mean, that's a bigger question because now you're talking about like, well, if we kill Hitler... Will that solve problems? Does it create more problems? You know, I don't know. Ultimately, I think you kill Hitler because you just have to try. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you gotta kill Hitler. You gotta try. <laughs> because you can't come back and be like, I didn't kill Hitler because, you know, I was thinking about philosophically how maybe it doesn't, you know, wouldn't really be a good thing. And everyone's like, what the fuck? Like, you have you, to try. You gotta, you gotta try and kill Hitler because <laughs> you just gotta see if you could, you know? You just... Yeah, you, know, you want to say you killed Hitler, I guess. You know? it, for the bragging rights, really. <laughs> I think that Michelle just needs to let it all out. Yeah. I mean, I think it's obviously a really, really messy situation in the episode. One thing the show does a good job is making you understand where all the characters are coming from. Yeah. But also putting them at what seems like irreconcilable odds, at least of the main players of like Ed and Al, Winry and Scar in this little standoff. So let's talk about Scar's flashback. I think it's great. If you found earlier stuff in the episode to be too on the nose in its delivery, I feel like the flashback manages to bring in some themes that would be on the nose with regard to brothers and arms, our episode title, if they were not introduced so gracefully. The thematic resonance of that scene where Scar's brother is over the armless Scar and going like, anybody help us. It's this like dark echo of this, 
of the right. scene where Ed realizes that Al is gone. Yeah. And he literally gives his arm away to save his younger brother's life. Two older brothers who have given up their arms to save their younger brothers due to alchemical mistakes. Yeah. The duality of having a left arm that can reconstruct and heal things and a right arm that can deconstruct and destroy things feels like such a elegant thematic tie-in to the close of the episode and which is in turn a book into miracle at rush valley about like winry as the left arm that can give life and oh ed having the right arm of destruction and he can never do what winry can do and Winry can't bring herself to do what he can do you're blowing my mind so good that's yeah that's really <laughs> good and yeah. and of course scar who is convinced that alchemy is only this tool for destruction and hates alchemy of course he is of the two arms that he could have received from his brother, he is cursed with the arm of destruction without the arm of uh, creation. Wow. Um, like, yeah, how could it, what if it had gone different? I am different? picturing him with like two right arms. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah so, so that he can get the, so that he can get the creation one. Brother, why have you cursed me? Here's a trade. Would you rather, you get the power to heal anyone you want, but... You have two left arms. <laughs> How bad would that be, though? I'm, I'm thinking about. It. Well, you'll never wear gloves ever again. You can wear I mean, gloves. You just have to find someone with two left arms, and you, you just have to buy split. two gloves. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you'd split every glove you you got between them. Brothers in arms. <laughs> this episode did make me appreciate the previous episode even a little bit more because this one was so heavy. And last one was so, we talked about how jokey and light it felt. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That almost is a really good sign that they're learning as they go to have a more consistent tone episode to episode. So I thought that worked better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know how to choose episodes with no jokes for, <laughs> to make jokes about. That's actually a really good segue, if you'll allow it. As Arthur knows, but Michelle and Mike, you do not. I have brought in a fun activity for us all based on my actual real-life job as a trivia writer who does oh comedy gosh. trivia. And I have prepared for us, well, for you three to play, for me to host a uh, trivia game themed around not really this episode, but just FMA in general and jokes. Ooh. Oh my gosh. Yay. This is a trivia game called Bring who to life? <laughs> okay. And it's a guessing game. So we're going to go around, we're going to take turns, and each of you will get a title. And your job will be to guess whether it is the subtitle of a Full Metal Alchemist video game or the title of an Evanescence song. Oh my god. <laughs> if it is the title of an Evanescence song, you must answer by saying, Bring me to life. <laughs> if it is the title, of a Full Metal Alchemist video game, you must say, bring mom to life. <laughs> okay. I love this. Man, I love okay. this. That in itself, remembering which one is which is going to make this game harder. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's play just a little bit of Evanescence, bring me to life. Yeah. So we're all familiar. So let's go your intro order. So Michelle, Arthur, Mike. So Michelle, is this bring me to life or bring mom to life the broken angel bring mom to life 
Yes, you are correct. It is a story-based <laughs> RPG where oh. the Elrics get swept up in a mystery involving chimeras, and the main villain is named Camilla, which is big for me personally. <laughs> Arthur, a new way to bleed. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, bring me to life. Yes, it is a bonus yes. track from the self-titled 2011 album Evanescence. Mike, mm. Prince of the Dawn. Bring Mom to Life. You are correct. It is an investigation game for Wii set in Central. Wait, of what? Wii? <laughs> There's a Wii game? <laughs> cool. Michelle, Daughter of the Dusk. Shit. <laughs> that one's tough. Bring me to life. Uh, I'm sorry, that is Bring Mom to Life. That is the Wii sequel to Prince of the Dawn. What? Oh, man. <laughs> Arthur, okay. Dream Carnival. Is it possible for it to be both? <laughs> um, bring Me to Life. I am sorry, Bring Mom to Life. <laughs> no, no, you're kidding. What is Dream it? Dream Carnival is a, a team tournament fighting game for PS2. And ironically, given the themes of this episode, you can fight as Windry and bludgeon people to death with a wrench. Oh, awesome. wow. Mike. I want to go to a Dream Carnival. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> you can fight on top of a train, it seems like. I don't know if it ever what? made it to the That US, makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. You know what? If there's one location they were going to put in for Full Metal Alchemist, it had it's to be a, a train. train. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be a train. Otherwise, how do you get from place to place? <laughs> exactly. Mike, Lost in Paradise. Mm, lost in paradise. Bring mom to life. I'm sorry, bring me to life. <laughs> lost oh, in paradise man. is a ballad from, again, the titular self-titled 2011 album. My the goodness. band Evanescence has described it musically as being heavily inspired by Bjork. Is Bjork a character we haven't met yet in Full Metal Alchemist? <laughs> Bjork the Swan Alchemist. Well, you all have uh, one out of two. Michelle, the end of the dream. Bring me to life. Yes, you are correct. It yes. is from the album Synthesis and is about, according to lead singer Amy Lee, following your heart even when it hurts. That's a very formal alchemist thing. Arthur, mm -hmm. dual sympathy. D-U-A-L, dual sympathy. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I mean, that's that's too that's beautifully so punful. It's got to be bring me to life. I am sorry. It is bring mom no. to life. <laughs> wait, oh my God. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Is it, is it a Nintendo DS game? It is. It is a side scroller for the DS. Dual screen, dual sympathy. That was such a thing with Nintendo DS games. Every Nintendo DS game had to have a DS acronym somewhere. Yeah. It attempts to adapt and condense about 50 episodes of the anime, and IGN gave it 5.5 stars out of 10 and called it mediocre. Wow. 
<laughs> well, that's it's what you get. It's ambitious for a for a DS game. All right, Arthur, you are out of this, but Mike, if you get this one, you go into tiebreakers. Oh hell yeah, I'm ready. To the promised day. To the promised day. Okay, I could see Amy Lee being like, "To the promised day." <laughs> it's the same tune as what I've done. <laughs> Sorry. Promised day. I'm gonna go bring me to life. We have a winner because that is not correct. Oh. To the promised day is a PSP game based on the brother to anime. Uh, Woo. Yeah, I would have gotten that one. <laughs> yeah, but only because I've watched yeah, brother that's in the anime. Mike <laughs> can't get that one. Because... Well, uh, now Mike has to wonder what that means. Just. Add it to the list of things I don't understand. <laughs> this has been another game of everyone's favorite classic quiz show, Bring Who to Life. Congratulations to our winner, Michelle. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much. This was Tell him what genius. He gets. This was genius. Uh, you, uh, you win a, a free pass if you ever want to just try human transmutation. Uh, it'll work now. Dope. <laughs> oh, yeah. cool. That sounds great. All right. You want to use it on me? Uh, I'll, I'll get back to you. And yeah, listen to Ask Me Another if you want to hear more of Camilla's trivia. Oh, I do all the time. I, I do all the time. Well, funny y'all should say that because in a perfect segue, now it's time for all of us to listen to Mikey and his predictions in Mikey at the Bat. Oh, I'm ready. Yes, you are ready. This is the segment where Mike has to guess what happens in the next episode based only on the episode title and the thumbnail. Mike, I have posted the thumbnail on the chat. Please describe it to us. Yes, it is. Oh, I forget her. What is her name? I forget her name. Mei Cheng. And Scar is standing behind her like, what should I do? What should I do, boss? You know, (laughs) and they're standing in front of a green door and she's got all the daggers out like. More daggers than it's realistic you that you could hold, really. And so, Mike, what happens in this episode titled Girl on the Battlefield? She and and uh, Link are fighting against the Fuhrer and Gluttony right now. And Scar is going to come out and help fight them. It's going to be one of those fighting episodes, you know what I mean? Where they just fight the whole time and they're like all able to hear each other when <laughs> when they need when they need to, you know? And she's going to be like, we're going to get into her character a little bit so that we can kill her off later and it'll be really sad. (laughs) That's what I think. Now that Mike has made his prediction, it's time for us to grade this episode, giving you the score between one to five stars. I'm going to get ahead and uh, I've made my complaints clear, but in the process of talking to you folks, I've come to realize my problems are more conceptual than actual problems with this episode and so i will not give it the grade i was thinking of giving it i'll capitulate and i'll give a 2.5 i'm gonna give this episode a solid four because i thought it was great and four is great on the scale for me thought the themes were awesome made me tear up a little bit i just loved it maybe a 4.25 i don't know i was gonna give it a five because i thought it was so good but you have convinced me, just like with Back to the Future 3 being better than Back to the Future 2. Wow, which that's you had, a... <laughs> you had some really convincing arguments, and I was ready to fight, but you were right. I think I'm going to, you know, it was a little pushed. It was a little convenient. A lot of little convenient things. I'm going to give it a four. Wow. I have so much power. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh man, the peer pressure is going in every direction, both ways. I don't know. Today, I don't it? know. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm gonna stick with my initial reaction from watching it for the first time again the other day, which is 4.5. Amazing. I think I agree that sort of the context building to set this episode in motion is not the most elegant, but a lot of that happens in the episodes preceding this. And when I watched it in a vacuum, I think it just lands real well, thematically so tight. I think the ending pulls it home. I think it's really good. And now it's time for... What did we learn? Today's lesson, don't leave guns lying around. Because (laughs) you never know when someone on a quest for vengeance against their parents' killer might happen to walk by just as someone accuses you of their murder. Fuck. Murder. (laughs) Murder. I can't believe I said murder. I am giving that in. I am giving that in. I am giving that in. (laughs) I need some kind of murder. Sometimes you just got to take the ring to murder. By the way, they didn't leave a gun lying around. Some random guys got knocked over and dropped the gun. Yeah, and that was very irresponsible. They listened to this PSA. They probably would have been a little bit more mindful. Not not gun safety in this show. Also, wait, wait a second, wait. Could they just shoot Scar the whole time? What, are we maybe dealing with him the wrong way? Um, they tried to shoot him before and he moonwalked away from the bullets, remember? <laughs> oh, that's right. And if you don't want to be left around in a random alleyway and coincidentally be found at the right moment so that way you can discover something about your parents, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FM Analysts. That's FM Analysts on Twitter. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave us a review. We love to read those. We love Doritos. Shut up. We love to read those. <laughs> and mortar. We love to moita those Doritos. <laughs> God damn it. I'd like to thank our guest, Camila Franklin, for coming. Uh, I mean, you have a permanent position here. Yes. Oh, that's very kind. Plug your stuff away. I am an illustrator. You can see my art or updates about my art at Camillastrator on Instagram. C-A-M-I-L-L-A-S-T-R-A-T-O-R, like Camilla and Illustrator. I also write trivia for Ask Me Another on NPR. You can listen to it on a podcast app or on your local NPR station. Camilla, before you go, please, we want you to give us your best Full Metal Alchemist, like in the interstitial segments of the show. Full Metal Alchemist. That's fun. We'd also like to thank Sarah Lerner for managing our Tumblr. If you'd like to visit that, please go to fullmetal-analysts.tumblr.com. There are spoilers in the Tumblr, so if you have not seen the show before, do not go there. That'll be all for now. We'll see you next time on Full Metal Analysts. Until then, stay frosty, everyone. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.